There's a great story tucked away in the Bible about a girl named Mary. Now, it's not the same Mary you're thinking of. It's not Mary, the mother of our Lord. There's several Marys, and the Bible's like saying, you know, do you know John? You know John from Houston? You're like, there's like a half a million Johns in Houston. Okay, so be more specific. So this particular Mary, we're going to call her Mary of Bethany. Mary was the sister of Lazarus. She had another sister named Martha. So now you know Mary and Martha, that Mary. Okay, we're going to tell a story today uh, on her. It's a great story about how she was incredibly generous. And so it just fits with our Leaving a Legacy offering and Again, I'm glad you guys are here today. Let's start off with our mission statement together. Sometimes our campus pastors say it, sometimes I say it, but today we're going to say it together. What are we here to do as a church? We're going to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. It's all about here at Church Unlimited. Today's message is called, Your Legacy Begins Today. And so I want to jump into text right away. John chapter 12, there's a great story where Mary gives a generous gift to Jesus directly. Check out the scripture. It says this. It says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Case in point, before we go any further, if Jesus raises you from the dead, you should provide him a meal. Just letting you know. I just feel like it's appropriate. You're like, you know what? Hey, I really appreciate you raising me from the dead, so here's some chicken. I think it's very appropriate. Okay, so, all right, goes on to say this. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Wow, that's personal, isn't it? Man, that's crazy. It says, the house was filled with the fragrance. I, I love the, how the house is filled with the fragrance. That, that speaks of the, the Bible. We hear that and we go, well, yeah, of course you smell it because it's, it's a perfume, right? So you smell it. But actually, from a biblical standpoint, taking all the Bible in context, you always want to look at Scripture from the whole Bible standpoint. There's other places in the Bible where there was a fragrant smell. And you oftentimes see this when people sacrificed to God, when they prayed and worshiped. Okay, because worship is a form of sacrifice too. So let me just give you one example. Genesis chapter 8, this is Noah. It says, Noah offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in, in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. So basically, he said, because you brought an offering to me, I'm never going to create another flood like I, like I did. Okay? And so did you know we see this again and again in the Bible where people would bring an offering? They didn't always attach a request with it, but you can attach a request with it. We'll be real careful here. This is not, oh, God, here's 10 bucks, make me a millionaire. No, no, that's stupid, okay? That's, that's a charlatan saying that kind of stuff. We're not saying that at all. This isn't, you know, spin around five times, scream hallelujah, become a millionaire. That's dumb. But in the scripture, we do see where David said, hey, God, I'm going to bring you a sacrifice. Would you please stop this plague? And God stopped the plague. Noah says, hey, I'm going to bring you a sacrifice. And God says, you know, because you're honoring me, I'm never going to flood the world again. Okay, and so things like that you do see in scripture. So I know people that like, Lord, I want to bring an offering, but also, God, I'm going to ask you to help me with my child, help me with my marriage. Lord, would you please bless my business? Would you please turn things around in, for me health wise or in my, in my emotions or whatever the case may be? So there's nothing wrong with doing that. Again, God's not signed the contract with you. I'll be real clear here. He's not required to do that, it's a request you're making. And sometimes God honors those kinds of requests. But we see that happening here. And I love the fact that the perfume smelled uh, throughout the room. They could smell it. But also when we bring a sacrifice to God, it's a, it's a sweet-smelling fragrance to God. Now, I brought some cologne on stage with me today. Now, this isn't nearly as expensive as the cologne, the perfume that Mary broke open. In fact, we know it says here this was, this, this was perfume made of nard. We know that, that historians tell us that means it came from India. In India, they would package up a small pint. In case you're wondering what a pint looks like, it's a small bluebell pint, 
Got it? You're like, oh, I know that size. Yeah, I bet you do, right? Okay, so yeah, now we got it, right? So that's the point. And so basically, it was a small amount. And so it would be packaged up in a box, and you wouldn't open until you want to use it because it was such a strong aromatic sense. Like it was like, whoa, it would just knock you over. So then they would open it up. So I brought some, some cologne up here. This is, my, this is not as expensive. This is my John Varvatos. It was, it was a gift given to me. And so now when I put on cologne, I'm curious. I just do it like this, okay? But I know people do it like this. They go, and they walk into it. <laughs> so who walks into it? Who walks into their perfume? Okay, you're just weird. I'm just telling you right now. That does not make sense to me why you do that. I'm not going to just spray. It just looks so weird to me. Brush your teeth like that. Just, put, just float your toothbrush out there. And... Like, who does that? No one, all right? You're weird. I'm just what I'm saying. I'm just letting you know. Okay, no, I'm kidding. I'm just joking around. But, you know, people told me, so my assistant, when I, I joked around uh, at the first service, and she said, no, I do that because then it's not too strong. I was like, yeah, because you don't get any of it on you. That's why it's not too strong. <laughs> you do like none of it on you. So anyways, but this is like four services in a row, so I'm going to be knocking people out by the last service and be like, whoa, Pastor Bill. Like that 13-year-old kid that discovered polo for the first time, you know what I mean? You're like, wow, you definitely are trying to attract the right girl. You know, it's like... Which is always funny because when you're a 13-year-old boy, you can still smell the boy on them. Like you're, somehow it's a mixture of polo and bad smell. I don't know. I, I can, still, can still pick up both. Anyways, yeah. But so she brought this perfume. She broke it open. And she used it to, to, to wash Jesus' feet. Now, the other disciple, Matthew, who wrote about the same story, said that she also used it to rub on his head. So, so we have the head and the feet, and we're going to talk about what that means in a minute. But the point is, it's very, very expensive perfume. Now, it was a small bottle. It was a pint. It wasn't that large, but it still was very, very valuable. The first thing you know is this. Never underestimate what you can do for Jesus. Now, I want to point out a couple of things. One is that Mary is obviously a woman, okay? Uh, you know, it's, it's in today's culture, that shouldn't be hard to define, but somehow it's getting hard to define, but she's a woman, okay? We know that very clearly in Scripture. But here's the thing. Not only was she a woman, now, I, don't, I don't know if she was a single mom. We, we have no indication that she had children, but we do know she's a single woman because you would always, in their culture, say she was the husband of whoever, whoever, okay? So we know that was the case. Like Mary, the mother of our Lord, was Mary and Joseph. We, we know that. It's very clear. Every time to write that, it was Mary and Joseph, okay? So Mary doesn't mention that. So, honey, could you not turn your phone on? My <laughs> wife, my, the, the one who helped found this church, can you not? Thank you. So anyway, so yeah. That was awesome. That was a classic moment right there. And, and the best is I just noticed her phone. It was our daughter calling. Like, she doesn't know? Like, oh, it's Mason. Like, we're in the middle of church, Mason. Hey, Mason, hi. I want to say hi to you. You're still Oak right now. Don't call your mom in the front row. What are you, what are you doing? Okay, anyways, all right. So, amazing. So, like, do you not know what we do at this hour? I mean, you're unaware? I'm, anyways, okay, so that's all right. <laughs> that's it. Thanks, guys. It's been great. I'm going to hit them. Nothing to add now. So, okay. So Mary is um, single. In their day and age, I'm not, I'm not saying this is right. I'm just letting you know about how it worked back in ancient Israel and back in really all of the Middle East. And some of it's still this way, even, even today, is that women could not own property. So that means everything she could own, she would have to be able to hold and carry herself. So just understand that. Like, so, I mean, we... Single moms today are amazing. We have a lot of single moms in church. Can we give it up for our single moms? They're amazing, by the way. Incredible what they do. It really is, yeah. So single moms bring home the bacon and fry it up, right? I mean, they, they provide for the family. 
they provide for the family and they also, you know, take care of the kids. I and mean, that's a lot. It's, it's, it's crazy what single moms do. So, and we would typically say to a single mom, oh man, that, we need to give her some help. I mean, man, that, that, she works hard. And, and, and typically most single moms did not sign up for that role. That is not something they wanted to happen, but they ended up being a single mom, okay? Through a series of events, whatever the case may be. And so because of that, it's oftentimes very sacrificial life that they're, that they're living for their kids. And so it can be really tough. So Mary was worse off than that because you weren't allowed that property. And so even widows, if their husband died, they need to have a boy in the lineage so they could tie everything financially up into that child. Even if that child was a two-year-old, they'd be like, that two-year-old owns everything we have so that we can keep the farm, keep the land, keep the goats, keep the cows, whatever that you got, okay? So that's a big deal. So when it says that she gave this to Jesus, she pretty much gave everything she had. It's pretty remarkable when you think about that. It's pretty crazy that she sacrificed like that for Jesus, but she did. And so, and I, I just want to tell you this, I don't look at it all the time, but I do know this for a fact, over 24 years of pastoring in the same church, there's a lot of single moms in our church that give more than business owners, that sacrifice more than executives. And first of all, hats off to single moms, but that also should be a challenge to those who are doing much better financially to say, if they're doing that, then what the heck am I doing? So I just wanted to let that challenge you, that people who clearly could justify saying, why would I give? I can barely make it now. And yet they're giving, they're tithing, they're giving above and beyond the tithe. It doesn't leave us with any excuse, does it? So I just want to challenge you that if they can do it, we certainly can do it. And I just want to say, you know, this offering we're doing next week, it's our annual offering. I don't normally talk this much about, about money. It's only once a year. We're doing our annual offering. And I'm very excited about it because it's going to do two things. It's going to expand evangelism. We're going to do more evangelism, more missions. And the second thing we're going to do, we've never done this before, is we're going to reduce our debt tremendously. And so by doing that, if we stay on course of what we're doing, we'll be able to reduce our debt to the point of literally loosening up $36,000 a month to go directly into missions, evangelism, and ministry. How does that sound? That's a lot. So we're talking about three to $400,000 of our budget that's no longer paying bankers, it's now going into ministry. That's exciting. And so we're very fired up about doing this, about changing a whole lot of lives. And so we're, we're very excited about that. Look what happens next here. So she gives this great gift to Jesus, right? She breaks open this cologne, this perfume, and she, she wipes Jesus' feet with it, washes his feet as well as his head. And then, but guess who's also there? See, I didn't even catch this. I knew God put it in my heart to speak about the scripture, but I forgot there's another character in this story. And the character may surprise you. His name's Judas. Now we all look at Judas and go, oh, Judas, because we know what he did. They didn't know this yet. So Judas is just one of the disciples. He just walked with the Lord. So they had no idea. Look what Judas says. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. He's upset. He's like, what are you doing? That's a year's worth of wages that you're wasting. Why would you do that? And I wonder if there's some people in your life that would say when you give to the local church, when you give to Jesus, that you're wasting your money. I wonder if there's people in your life that would ever say that to you. And here's, and, and, and what's funny, he's a disciple. I mean, you, you could, you could say, I mean, there's people that say they love the Lord and follow God that are also telling me this is a waste of money. And they, and they claim to be a believer. So oftentimes the people who are criticizing you being sacrificial actually, actually say they believe like you do. And yet they still 
take issue with it. Now, there's a scripture here that I want to mention here. Matthew chapter 7 says this, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Now, we think that scripture is talking about like, you know, if you sin, we're like, hey, the Bible says don't judge me. So we get all upset, but that's not what this Bible is referring to. It says, do not judge lest you be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. So it's like the way, the same way you look at something is the same way, it'll, in the same way that you deal with something, it will be dealt back to you. So like, basically, the measure. Let's talk about the measure for a second. So if I come to your house and I've got a bucket in one hand and a small garden shovel in my other hand, if I say, hey, I was just going to ask you, could I have some dirt from your backyard? You would look at my small shovel in my bucket and be like, sure, no problem. So I walk around back of your house and I take up some dirt, put it in the bucket and I go home. But if I showed up the next day with a larger shovel and I was like, hey, can I get some more dirt? And you'd be like, uh, okay, sure. Then the third day I show up and I've got one of those giant shovels, like the wide ones. It's like a snow shovel. Like, can I get some more dirt? You'd be like, how much dirt are we taking now? Like at some point you're going to say, what do we do? Now, what if I showed up with an excavator? <laughs> hey, I was going to see if I get some dirt. You'd be like, what are you talking about? You're like, bring it back, boys. Beep, beep, beep. You'd be like, okay, hold on. Are we digging a pool now? What are we doing here, right? I mean, it depends on how you're measuring. God says, how you, how you bring a gift to me if you, if you bring a small little shovel, then that's what I'm going to give you back. You bring a larger shovel, I'm going to shovel that. You bring, an ex, you bring an excavator to me, I'm bringing an excavator back to you. Yeah. Is what God's Word says. The same measure, right? Now, this doesn't just apply to giving. This applies to everything. Maybe you're like, man, I just keep, I hear people tell me, I just keep giving and giving in my marriage. I'm not seeing results. Yeah, but, but the measure you're using, could it be you're giving just a little bit? Like, I just, well, I just gave to them again, and they just don't appreciate it. They may not have noticed it because the, the, the amount you gave was so little. They're like, you can't even tell. Like, if I said, hey, I put some dirt in your backyard. Well, from what? From the bucket? You'd be like, one bucket? Oh, I wouldn't even be able to notice you did that. Like, so I, I just think it's funny that people complain with a bad attitude. I don't go to work. I just give and I get. What's good giving you at work? Well, I keep showing up. Well, everyone shows up. That's not real. We're not going to notice that. Sorry. We, I mean, we're all supposed to show up. You know, it's just funny how people say stuff like that. I love how Chris Rock one time said it when the guy was like, man, I tell you what, you know what? I go home. And he's like, you're supposed to go home. You don't get extra credit for that as a husband. You're like, thanks for going home. Wow. You know, it's like, what? And so it's funny how we think like, I'm giving all this stuff to people. And, and it's like, yeah, but you're, you're giving a small shovel. No so if you're not getting out of life what you want, up the shovel. Make sense? I'm going to come to work and I'm going to give a lot more. I'm going to load it up and dump it on. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a lot more. Then you'll see some reward come back. So I just want to challenge you if you're like, I just don't feel like I'm living a blessed life. God may be like, change shovels. Change shovels in your marriage. Change shovels at work. Change shovels in your faith. Change shovels in your giving. And if you do that, you'll see God bless you. It's really true. Just want to challenge you because Mary brought an excavator. She's like, this is, you know, well, you said, well, it's just a small box. Oh, no, but that small box is worth a lot. It was worth a lot. And so she stepped it up in a huge way. And so, in fact, it was worth a year's wages. One small pint. It's amazing power. If I brought a small gift, it's like, hey, I have a little gift for you. If you look at the gift, you're like, oh, it's kind of small. It's probably not worth much. But if on the top of the box it said Chanel, you'd be like, oh, this is a nice gift, right? If it said Burberry, right? I bet there's a lot of ladies in the room that would love it. A small little gift that had the word Tiffany on it, right? It's like, oh, okay. Now we're still. So it's amazing. Something small can be worth a lot, right? And so she brought, it seemed small, but it was a game-changing gift that she brought. And so 
she measured big. I just want to challenge you right now. Do me a favor right now at all of our campuses. You should have been handed a bull packet on the way in. It looks something like this. I want to challenge you to take this home with you. In fact, you can open it up now if you want and, and, and just take a look at what you can give. You may say, well, I, I can't do much. But you know what? Over 20 weeks, you probably can. You'll surprise yourself what you can do, actually. I was just looking at this. I thought, you know, he's, oh, I can only give five bucks a, a week. Well, that's $100. After 20 weeks, that's significant. Now, I can only give 50 bucks a week. That's $1,000, right? That, that, that's significant. You know, in fact, we're, we're doing this thing where we're doing a legacy wall. I'm excited about this, where you can put your name on the wall at the campus you have that you helped pay for that campus. You helped make the ministry happen. In fact, just to show you real quick, the legacy wall is going to look something like that. And uh, you can have your name on it if you want for $2,500. as a small plaque or $5,000 for medium or $10,000 for a large. Now, for those of you who get offended by that, you're like, I can't believe you're doing that, Pastor. That's just wrong. Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing when it comes to your giving. He did say that. He also pointed out the widow's mites, which means he directly said, hey, look what she gave. He also is the one who said, let, let your light shine before men and then, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, this is about leadership. This is not about saying, look how big I am. No, it's about saying, I want the world to know I am a giver and I'm making a difference. It's about leading others. Does that make sense? So now, having said that, if you're offended or bothered by that, no one's going to make you put your name up there. You don't have to do that. My father, years ago, 15 years ago, we built this building, the broadcast building. There's actually, right on the way in, there's a big uh, plaque that's got a bunch of people's names on it, two or 300 names are on there, of people who gave to, to help make this happen, you know? And I don't think people ar arrogantly walk up and go, see, there I am, right there. I was a difference maker. I don't think people do that. But I walk by, I see my dad's name on there, my name's on there, uh, my kids, and I'm like, praise God, our family made a difference. Like, I'm happy about that, you know? And so we're going to do it again. We're gonna, there's this, this is a separate legacy wall than that one. And so for today's time to say, you know what, I made an impact, and we're going to do it at all of our different churches this time. Very, very excited about that. You want your name on there? Great. Some of you may give in the name of someone that you lost in the last few years that you love and you miss. It's okay. My father put his, his name and my mom's name, but he put his, his mother's name, who had passed away already, his father's name who passed away many, many years ago. Just because, why? He was saying, I remember the faith they gave me. And so he put his kid's name, his grandkids' name. So you put whatever name, whatever name you want. That's fine. Some of you say, well, I, I, Pastor, I can't afford a brick. Then lean the person next to you, elbow, and say, hey, let's do it together. You can just say Jenny slash Bobby, right? Two names. If you want, that's fine. You know, some of them are going to say Rockport Youth Group, one brick. Youth Group just does that. I just heard last week, by the way, that uh, just, just one hour of our children's church brought in $180. Children. Like, wow, that's amazing. So I just want to challenge you. This is an intergenerational opportunity for us all to, to make a difference. But I want to challenge you, if you feel led to do this, well, I, we'd be proud, excited for you to put your name up there. You don't have to. Again, no one's making you. But if you feel led to do it, I think it's a, a great thing to do. I want to challenge you to consider prayerfully what you could do to make a difference. You don't have to do anything today. Please take it home and pray about that and talk to your spouse if you're married. Uh, if you're single, uh, then just talk to yourself. So it's okay. <laughs> but talk with each other and, and figure out what you want to do about that. I encourage you to do that. So uh, check it out. So this is really cool. So Judas gets on her, right? Says, hey, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? That's a year's worth of wages you just did. And then he says this. I love this line because this is the number one line of everyone who critiques churches. Here it is. Ready? It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. I love that line. You know, I love what Jesus doesn't say. <laughs> I love it. Because Jesus could have said, like, seriously, seriously, 
Like, what, you don't think I give to the poor? Like, have you been with me at all? Have you ever walked around with me at all? Have you seen me help people? Remember all the people didn't have food? Like, I fed them all off of one guy's meal. Do you remember the time when the guy was blind? I helped him see. The guy who couldn't walk, they helped him walk. Like, like Jesus, do you even hang out with me? Like, so it's kind of funny if someone were to say, Pastor Bill is trying to raise money. I mean, they should give money to the poor. Are you aware that we do that all the time? That our church is constantly helping people in Guatemala and Haiti and China and Pakistan and Iran locally, constantly. Like, that's what we do. And, and, and so I just want to encourage you, you know, it's so funny because he's quick to say, they should give the money to the poor. Well, let me ask you something, Judas, did you give money to the poor? It's just so funny how people want to be armchair quarterbacks, don't they? About your life and mine. But then it says this, not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole from it himself. Wow. Not only was he criticizing her gift, he hadn't given anything. He was actually stealing. And then you may think, well, okay, yeah, maybe you're the one with your arms crossed. Now, yeah, he's asking for money. I know how this works, blah, blah, blah. You probably don't know how it works, first of all, because you're not on the inside of the church. But let me just let you in that I just noticed that people that criticize the church normally don't support it. Just, just a little thing I've noticed. In fact, actually, before you say, I can't believe Jesus was stealing from, from, from God, look at the scripture in Malachi chapter 3. Maybe we're all stealing from God. Scripture says this, Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have I robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. Oh, that's, there's two words there. We're supposed to bring a tithe, that's the first 10% of all we earn, and contributions, and offerings, another word for that. In other words, like, like if I get my wife flowers on Valentine's Day, no extra credit for that. That's just kind of expected, right? But if, if she goes home and she's like, why are these flowers here? And I go, because it's Tuesday, and I love you. Ah, that's an offering, right? That wasn't expected. That's over and above. Like the tithe is like, that's just a minimum give to God. And by the way, if you've been walking with God for 10 years or longer and you've never given above and beyond the tithe, it may be time to grow in your faith again. Because all throughout the Bible, people didn't just give a tithe. They, that was the minimum give. They give above and beyond. And some of you are like, there's just no way I could. There's people doing it all the time. It's very possible. And it's a blessing to do that, by the way. And everyone I've talked to who gives like this, they never miss it. Because surprise, surprise, God blesses them. And God will bless you as well. You back up an excavator to God, he's going to back up an excavator to you. And dump a lot of blessing on you. He says, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test as the Lord of hosts and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. How nice would that be? But this is another part of scripture. We didn't know this probably till this year, the year of inflation. Check it out. I will rebuke the devourer for you. How many of you guys have had some devouring going on? How many of you guys got a gas tank devouring right now? right? There's some devouring happening. It says, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So God says, hey, if you're not bringing the tithe, don't expect me to bless you. And so God wants us to bring the tithe to him. Here's the point. Number three, the people who criticize the use of money the most give the least. I've just seen this time and again. It's never givers who criticize how we spend the money here. <laughs> it's always people who don't give anything. I've just, I've just noticed that. I want to encourage you, just, just remember that the biggest booze come from the cheapest seats at all sporting events. In the same way, when you're supporting the team, when you believe in the cause, you, you give towards it. So I just I really want to challenge you 
with this notion. And so, and the people who say, well, I don't give because a mega church is this, a mega church is that. I don't even know what that term means. We just started a church to reach people and it just happened to grow. But I'm also fully aware. Yeah, I mean, we just, we're just trying to reach people. But I'm not dumb. I'm fully aware that in today's day and age, it seems like every time you go on Twitter, another leader falls. Right? This has been pretty recent, hasn't it? We're seeing this stuff. But can I just encourage you with this right now? This is one thing we believe in here at Church London. This is not my first time to say this. We believe there's only one celebrity in this house, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's who we lift up. And I've learned that if we'll all stay humble and low, it's just really hard to fall from a low position. So let's just openly admit that there's only one perfect one. There's only one we should put on a pedestal, and his name is not mine. It's Jesus. So I just want to encourage you guys. We're just trying to win people for Christ. We're trying to make Jesus famous. And so I just want to challenge you. Just remember that when you see those things, that's not your church. That's not who we are. And I know some of you come in and you've got your hypocrite antennas on. Beep, 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 beep. You're looking for it. I want to encourage you, just keep coming. And just, if you find that, then leave. I get it. I'm out. I found hypocrisy. But I don't think you're going to find it. I think you're going to find genuine, regular people who have problems that are honestly just trying to serve God. That's who we are. We're a local church just trying to win people to Christ. So I want to challenge you to do your part. Rather than complaining, let's make a difference. You know, Judas was jaded. But can I tell you something about jaded people? You say, oh, they're jaded. They've just been through a lot. What about all the people I know who have been through a lot that aren't jaded? You see, jaded is a choice you make. You can choose to still believe by faith. Or you can choose to live in fear and doubt. So I want to challenge you. Please quit building a wall of doubt by just seeing they fell and that happened. And look at this and look at that. You will talk yourself into walking right away from your faith. Or you can say, what about the person who's faithful and all the people who are still honoring God, who are still doing the right thing, who are still changing lives? What about all of them? I'm going to count all of that and say, thank you, God, that there's still people who love the Lord and are honoring God and doing the right thing. And that's your church. I'm proud of what we do every single day here at Church Unlimited. We're not perfect, but we're trying to honor God with our lives. But before you get selfish, oh, I'm going to keep my money. I'm going to hold on to my rubles. How much are rubles worth today? Oh, wow. You don't think that could happen to us? You don't think that's currently happening to the dollar? Careful what you hold on to. It may not be worth much. Just want to encourage you. God's a big God, and he can bless you. God's also a big God, and you can pull yourself right out of the blessing of God, too. So I want to encourage you instead to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all that you have. Now, look how Jesus responds. Oh, before I get to that, let me just tell you a quick story. I've been reading the book on giving uh, there's, there's books on giving from authors and from preachers. Those are pretty good. But when you read a book on giving from a missionary, hold on. Because it's like blowing my mind. I'm like, man, this guy sees the world differently. And I, we, we, my wife and I are close to missionaries because my wife's sister married a guy that they became missionaries together. So we see it all the time. And this guy, he's a surgeon some of the best training in the world. He, got, he trained in Houston, which everyone who knows medicine knows that some of the best training in the world is in Houston. I mean, top-notch surgeon. He can be making five to ten times what he's making on the mission field. But he's, he's using his gifts for God. Very humbling to watch this. It's incredible to see how God is blessing him and using him. So I'm reading a book by a missionary. This guy's retired now, but this guy was a missionary in Mexico, and he's got all these amazing stories. I'm like, wow, this is so humbling and convicting to me. And so, but I really try to see our church as a mission. And so people say, oh, it's a big church. No, we're a big mission, guys. 
I see, my, I see our church as a mission, which means we're called to reach the lost people. That's what we do. So let me just tell you about this one story. There's this farmer in, in Mexico. I just read this the other day. It was hilarious. Farmer in Mexico, he, he didn't have a really good crop this particular year. Uh, he only made 5,000 pesos on his sale of his entire crop. That's 400 American dollars, roughly, okay, at the time of the values, valuations. So he goes to the bank to convert all this into 5,000, basically uh, five 1,000 peso bills, okay? So he goes and converts it to that. And then he was thinking in his mind, oh, no, my preacher would want me to tithe. And the Bible says to tithe. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to do that. My preacher's got brand new shoes. That's what he said to himself. So he's, like, he's got new shoes. I'm not doing that. So he took the five 1,000 uh, peso bills and rolled them up in his handkerchief and put them in his pocket. And he left the bank. On his way out of the bank, because he was going to break one to be able to tithe, he's like, no, I don't need to do that. I'm good. So he puts it in there, and he thinks, uh, I'm fine. But he knew what the Lord had told him that, you know, like, hey, you need to honor me, or I won't honor you. I won't protect what you have. So he said, I don't have much anyways. What's the big deal? So he put it in his handkerchief, goes outside. When he's outside, he suddenly has to sneeze. He's like, and he quickly grabs his handkerchief and blows his nose. And he realized when he yanked his handkerchief out, all five of those 1,000 peso bills flew away into a crowded traffic street. And he lost it all in one sneeze. And he felt the conviction of God telling him, if you would have trusted me, I would have protected everything else you had. I just want to challenge you. You want God to protect what you have? You remember last year it was all like, what are you going to make in the market? Now we're like, can I get everything out of the market? I just want to challenge you to honor God. And he'll protect you. He'll protect what you have as well. Look what Jesus says next. This is crazy. One of the most controversial things Jesus ever says. Check it out. He said this in response to Judas. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. What? Jesus, did you just say that? Because that sounds, dare I say, wrong. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, how many of you guys would kind of say like, I kind of have a problem with Jesus saying that. Like, that just sounds like it lacks compassion. It sounds like it doesn't care about the poor. I mean, Jesus, you want to, you, you know, like, we're, we're going to give him a break. Jesus, we'll let you, you want to rephrase that? We'll let you. We'll, we'll, we'll scratch that from the record and just, what else do you want to say? Jesus is like, no, I'll say what I said. Like, really? Are you sure you don't want to change it? No, that's what I said. So was Jesus saying he doesn't care for the poor? Well, let's look at his record. Did Jesus take care of the poor? Did he help people who are hurting? Constantly. I mean, he fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. Two different times. He, he helped the blind to see. The guy who couldn't walk, he helped them walk. I mean, he was constantly blessing people. He helped poor people, broken people. I mean, you name it, he healed them. And so clearly Jesus cares for the poor. So why would Jesus say this? Actually, Jesus is quoting himself because remember, he's God, so he was there writing the entire Old Testament too. And he was also quoting this in front of a bunch of Jewish people in the Jewish culture. So he knew all of them knew the first five books of the Bible. You have to learn them as a child if you live in Jerusalem or anywhere in Israel. And so they all knew the first five books. I mean, they knew it by heart. It's crazy what they knew. And so he said, he, when he quoted this, they're all like, ah. See, we didn't get that because we didn't grow up Jewish, especially in ancient Jewish culture where they really knew the word. But they knew, they're like, oh, you're quoting Deuteronomy chapter 15. So let me read that scripture. Deuteronomy 15 says this, For there will never cease to be the poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor. Jesus wasn't saying that we shouldn't take care of the poor. He was saying you're always going to have poor people. Make sure my kingdom is a priority. Let me tell you what that means. It means that you can feed the poor for the rest of your life, and you'll just get more of them. Now this may sound insulting, but I want to tell you something. Our government has been feeding the poor for 100 years. It has not eradicated poverty yet. Nor will it. 
So I just need to let you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't feed the poor. In fact, our church feeds the poor every single week. We feed and clothe poor people constantly. And I think it's the right thing to do. But that is not all that we do. If that's all we do, then we're nothing more than the government program. What he was saying was feeding the poor, a government check won't change your life. In fact, it may actually hurt your life. But what can change your life is relationship with Jesus. And so that is what he was saying. So what this means, number four, your greatest impact, your greatest legacy is what you do for the kingdom of God, not what you do for the poor. And we do believe taking care of the poor. So did Jesus. It's a great thing to do. But let me let you in on something. You can feed someone till they die and they can still go to hell. They need Jesus. Does that make sense? And so let me, let me challenge you with this because a lot of people like to give to other causes and I'm all for it. We get, my wife and I give to all kinds of causes. But let me tell you right now, our greatest gift goes to church. You know why? Because I love my alma mater. That's great. And you may give money to your college. That's great. But guess what? That's not going to change the world. You know why? If education could change the world, why is it that we send our kids off to college they come back angrier? We now have gender studies and we're more confused about gender than ever. We have racial studies, and it seems uh, it's not really helping race. It seems like it's creating more fights. So all the educated don't seem to be improving in these categories. And if education was the answer, then why do you have to lock, lock your bike up on campus? Education, they have education. Why are they stealing stuff? Why are they covering up all the rape charges at universities? Why is there rape? Let's just educate them on sexuality. That'll solve the problem. Education is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. That's what they need. And by the way, we're all for education. The Bible talks about study this, show this self-approved. I'm not saying education is bad. Did you know that the number, that six out of the seven top Ivy League schools in the world were all created to, to basically by pastors to train pastors and, and to teach about the Word of God? Did you know Harvard, Oxford, Yale, Brown, I could go on and on, all created as seminaries. You talk about veering far off from their originality of what they were created to do. Wow. But education, the world is educated because of Christians. Because of missionaries and pastors starting churches. It's just funny to me that we act like, oh, you're a Christian. That's so uneducated. You only have an educated because of Christians. That's why you even have a degree. That's why there is a degree. It's because of our faith. Why do we have hospitals? Why do you think they're called the Baptist Hospital, Methodist Hospital? Well, you know, what, why, do you think, why do you think they're called St. Mary's? Why do you think they're called? Christians started hospitals, started education. If you take Jesus out, you take the number one engine that changes the world out of everything. Yes. Don't take Christ out of what we do. It's everything. Let me show you something real quick. Can I, can I go a little deeper real quick? Can I do that? Okay, let me get you real quick. I'm going to dive right in this real fast, real fast. Check it out. It says this in John chapter 12. I want to show you something very specific. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment um, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Then, then Matthew's account doesn't mention the feet. It mentions the head. Mary poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. So one mentioned the feet, one mentioned the head. Why is that important? Check it out. Ephesians chapter 6. To put on the full armor of God. And what's included in the armor? It says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And then take the helmet of salvation. So the head is, is where what? You have to have a, the right mind to be able to receive Christ. And your feet is where you walk to take the gospel to more people. What this means is that Mary's greatest gift was given for the furtherance of the gospel. So that more people get to hear about Jesus. I'm trying to think of an organization you could give to that's solely focused on taking as many people to heaven as they can before they die. Let me think. What church, what organization? 
This is what we do. Two things about Mary's giving, and I'll stop. Two things about Mary's giving, which really are two things about all givers. The first is this. She knew the time was now. Did you know this that Jesus said, of course she's going to anoint my head and my feet because she's preparing me for my burial. All the disciples that walk around with him all the time, they're like, what burial? Jesus is like, uh, what I've been telling you guys for the last month about, that I'm going to die and come back. They're like, oh, you really are going to die and come back? Like, I wonder if the reason we don't give is because we're not listening to what the word says. Could it be that Mary gave such a generous gift because she's like, I actually just believe what Jesus said. If we actually believe there's a heaven and there's a hell, then we're going to give like crazy because that means more people can find Christ. But if we don't believe it, of course you're not going to give much. I wouldn't give much either if I thought the whole thing was a fable. But if it's legit and it's real, who am I to not give? Mary knew the time was now. Let me ask you something. Have you noticed something going on in our world today? Anyone watching the news? Do you realize we could be at World War III? Can I just be real honest with you right now? I do not have confidence in our country to keep us out of a war. I do not have confidence in that. I'm not saying we're going to be in the war. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just telling you right now, we are on the brink. And you are kidding yourself if you don't believe that. If you think the greatest problem is gas prices, you need to clue in. Pastor, are you saying this is the end of the world? I don't know. I'm saying I don't know if it's not. And so since I don't know when I'm going out, I'm going to go out a giver. I don't know how long I got, but I'm going to go out a giver. Whether this is my last time to be able to write a big check to God or whether I have many more years, either way, I'm going to keep doing it. Because this is the hope of the world. I believe that to my gut. I believe it. And so Mary knew now is the time to do this. And the second thing Mary did, which is what I love, is what she didn't do. She didn't defend herself. She didn't defend herself against Judas. You can say what you want. I'm going to give. And here's my last point. 2,000 years later, what are we saying about Mary? And 2,000 years later, what are we saying about Judas? Whose legacy do you want? Mary's or Judas? Oh, but I'll walk with God. Oh, like Judas. Yeah, he walked with God. Yeah, every day. Oh, but I'm close to the Lord. Yeah, Judas walked right alongside the whole time. So you can be walking with Jesus and still have a terrible legacy. Because legacy comes down to this. Who gave and who critiqued? Who had an open heart? And you had a closed mind. Which one are you going to be? How is your story going to end? Which legacy do you want? And one day people are going to talk about you. I remember as a little boy, my dad taking me to the local church that we went to in Houston and walking the grounds because it wasn't built yet. It was just a foundation. And he was checking things and praying over it. That's my legacy. I remember that. As a little, I was just a little kid watching my dad do that. He was so excited because he was sacrificing for it. I remember times in the car, I'm in the backseat, my mom and dad are discussing what God spoke to them through the sermon and how they were going to give and how they're going to sacrifice and what they're going to do. That's the legacy I live. I'm living their legacy. I'm curious when your children 20 years from now are growing up, are they going to say, yeah, I remember that sermon. The pastor's really coming hard. And uh, my parents didn't cross their arms in anger. They actually, on the drive home, they were, mom and dad were talking. They're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to give? Are we going to, are we going to do something? And I remember we, we kind of downgraded the plans, like we kind of held off on the new cars and the stuff and vacation somewhere a little closer, and, and we gave. Or are your kids going to say, oh, yeah, I remember my mom and dad. Yeah, they just watched a lot of Netflix. 
Oh, my mom, man. Whew, I'll never forget. Whew, she let people have it on Facebook. Yeah, I remember that. That's, that's, uh, that's her legacy. Yeah, that's who they are. That's what they... What's your legacy going to be? Is it all about you? Or is it about others? Would you pray with me every head bowed, every eye closed? Thank you for letting me challenge you. Thank you for letting me take you to the mattresses today. I know. Tough message, I know. But God did not call me to tickle your ears. God called me to raise up from disciples. And this is one of those grow up moments. Okay, Lord, your Bible is chock full of stories of sacrifice. Who am I to stand at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, this is just too hard when you gave your life? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you commit to praying this week, to taking this little packet home with your spouse, with your kids and saying, what are we going to do? I love this. We talk to our own kids. What are y'all going to do? You know, I, I, I remember getting a text just last year. My son, Mason, he said, man, dad, I'm broke now. Because he felt convicted by God. Last year's offering, he gave big. I told Mason, I said, you will never regret that, Mason. You will never regret that. And God's starting a new legacy in the next generation. Praise God. What's your legacy going to be? What would your grandmama tell you to do? What would your granddaddy tell you to do? What would your abuela tell you to do? Come on, let's be honest. What would they do? You know what they do. They've already done it. Will you leave your legacy? Will you make a difference? Please prayerfully consider what God would have you do. Every head by the right closed. Have you given your life to Jesus? You can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. It's not complicated at all. You can pray this prayer with me right now. You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin on the cross. Please come in my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just received Christ, that's the greatest decision you'll ever make. No one's looking around right now at all our different churches. If you just gave your life to Jesus, would you just lift your hand high right now? If you just gave your life to Jesus, just lift your hand high. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our campuses. Thank you. We see those hands. Praise God. Anyone else, just hold your hand high if you just gave your life to Jesus. Praise God. We take it serious around here. We're willing to sacrifice for it. That should tell you how serious we are about it. Right now, we see those hands. Thank you, Rockport. Thank you, Padre. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Stone Oak. Thank you, Rodfield. Thank you, online. Thank you. We see those hands all the way in that prison cell. Thank you for holding your hand high. You gave your life to Jesus today. Praise God. Praise God. You're freer than you know, even behind bars. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, thank you for what you're doing and what you're teaching us through your word. May we be like Mary. May we have an open heart, a willingness to sacrifice big. Lord, thank you, God, for her legacy. Lord, we want to follow in her footsteps now and leave our own legacy of lives changed. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.